right, well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to week two of our new series entitled Jesus Is. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? So excited to have all of you, all of our campuses. Each week as well, I love to welcome and greet those in our St. Tammany Parish Jail as well as the Orleans Justice Center. We are begun a new series. I'm going to be teaching all the way up to Easter. By the way, it's not too early to think about who you're going to invite for Easter. We'll have services all weekend, all of our campuses. I'm in a six-week series, and, and during this time of the year, I, I try to teach about Jesus. I try to teach out of the Gospels as much as I can. Uh, there's something about this Lent period as we're preparing our hearts, as we're moving towards Good Friday, and of course, the resurrection of Christ. I do want to say as well, uh, to Baton Rouge, to Gulf Coast, to Metairie, I'm so excited. Uh, we had over a 1,000 people on Friday night praying uh, and crying out to God. I want to commend all of you for continuing to stick in there in prayer and fasting. How many of y'all believe that God answers prayer? Come on. We believe that at Church of the King. We believe that. And so you guys are engaged in that. We're talking about in this series, Jesus is, and then we're filling in a different trait. So each week, Last week, we talked about Jesus is my best friend. Why? We're talking about the qualities, the characteristics, the different personality traits of Jesus. Now, a lot of people, here's the thing. A lot of people, when they think of Jesus, they understand his divinity, but they don't understand his humanity. In other words, Jesus was born on this earth, okay, and he lived for 33 years. He was 100% God but he was also 100% man. It's amazing if you talk to people in our culture today, I remember having a conversation with a guy one day and he had all these opinions about who Jesus was and I just stopped and I, I just asked him, I said, I said, let me just ask you very respectfully, have you ever actually read the Bible? Well, no. Well, then how do you have so many opinions about Jesus and you've never actually read his book? He said, well, well, I, I've, I've heard others say, I thought, wait, time out. It's called hearsay. A lot of people build their understanding of God and specifically on the person of Christ based upon what other people have said, and yet they've never actually gone into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and found out what the Bible says about itself. Are you with me? It, it could be a painting. You went to a museum, and that's what Jesus is like. Why? Because it's on a painting. Really? Or maybe some relative, and I say that respectfully. I am so excited because we're digging into the Bible. We're looking in Matthew. We're looking in Mark. We're looking in, we're looking in the Gospels because we want to find out what the Bible says about Jesus. Our theme verse for this series is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's actually Paul the Apostle. We talk a lot about Paul's writings. Why? Because two-thirds of the New Testament was written by St. Paul, Paul the Apostle. He was a very brilliant man, a very educated man. He came into Corinth, which is a, a, very, a very intellectual place. And, and, and Paul, who had all of the education, he came and he made a statement which was so powerful, which I think is important to base our series off of. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
If there's anybody that could have really poured it on philosophically, <laughs> I mean, if there's anybody that, 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 that it could have uh, gotten caught up in all the linguistics, and by the way, I'm not against education, I'm not against high vocabulary usage, I'm not against any of that, but can I tell you something? If you argue somebody into being a Christian, somebody can argue them out of being a Christian. The fact of the matter is, is that Christ and him crucified, if you're truly saved and you meet Jesus, are you with me? It's not philosophical. Again, it, 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 I believe in education. I've gone, I've been to college and graduate school and all that stuff. But, 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 but there's something about the beauty and the purity of Christ and him crucified. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. Do you know Jesus? Today, I want to talk to you about another characteristic of Jesus. I, I want to talk to you about Jesus is, here it is. Jesus is the teacher. Or, or you could say it this way. For, for the believers, you could say it this way. Jesus is my teacher. 48 times in the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as a teacher. Think about that. 48 times. <clears throat> now, I want to say by way of qualification, uh, it's interesting. Again, I'm preaching and teaching on the weekends. Some of you may or may not know this. I, I grew up in a home. My mom was a teacher. She later went into administration. My wife was a school teacher. My dad is a lawyer, but he's also a teacher at a law school here. And so how, how many of you know I'm being evaluated? I, I, I'm being looked at. You know, when, I, when we have lunch after church from time to time, you know, you know of course, I, I know it's coming. And so, and, and so there's, there's, something about, there's something about being around a teachers. Why? Be, because teaching, there's, there's, a, there's a skill, there's an art. Matter of fact, there are qualities that make teachers effective. Have you ever thought about that? What are some of the qualities that you guys would think? I'm asking you. i tell you some of the qualities that I would consider Good qualities in the life of a teacher. Number one is authenticity. To be authentic means that somebody actually, you, you, you believe what they're saying because they believe what they're saying. And there's an authenticity. It's a hard word to say in their life. There's an honesty about them. Also, I'll say this. They teach about something, but they also do that thing. In other words, there's a connection. You know the word integrity is for, it's a math word, integer. It's a whole number. You guys remember that uh, when you took algebra. What, what is an integer? It's a, it's a whole number. The word integrity comes from the word whole. And, and, and the word integrity, when somebody is a teacher, uh, they, they, when, they, when they teach something and they do it, there's no gap between what they say and what they do. Do you remember when we grew up? Now, you heard the statement. Do as I what? Say, but not as I what? That's called a lack of integrity. I never forget there was this one particular person I really aspire, aspired to, to and esteemed and as a young preacher. And I, and I say this very respectfully. I did not judge, but I've just given you a, a testimony of what I experienced. But the more that I got around this person, the more I disrespected them. I thought, wait a minute. What they're teaching about and how they're living, they're, there's an incongruency there. What are the qualities that you think make a good teacher? I want to suggest to you, and, and I want to submit to all of you at all of our campuses, that the, the, the greatest of teachers model good teaching not by just what they say, but, but what they do. Reminds me of a story about this young couple that moved into a neighborhood. 
they were all excited. They had this new house, and they were fired up about it, and they'd go into the kitchen, and every morning, the wife would mention to her husband, she'd mention, honey, I, I got to tell you something. I don't, I don't mean to judge, but, but, but if you look over there, our, our neighbors, and they have a beautiful home, and they, and they, and they, and they put their, their laundry out, and they dry their laundry in the backyard. And, 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 and what's crazy is, honey, you can look at the laundry. It's not clean. I don't know if there's a detergent issue. I, I mean, I, a matter of fact, I'm going to go over there and knock on their door, and I'm going to talk to them. And the husband, you can't do that. But, honey, you cannot do that. Sure enough, the days go on and the weeks go on. She goes, look, would you look, would you look, would you look at those people? Their laundry's dirty. I, I don't, I mean, should we just help them out? I'll wash it for them. But I mean, that is so embarrassing. Do they not realize somebody's got to tell them that their laundry is dirty? About a month goes by and the lady wakes up and she uh, walks into her kitchen and she looks out. She goes, honey, great news. The laundry, I can see it. The laundry, finally, their, their laundry is clean. What do you think made the change? And the husband said, it's very simple, honey. This morning, I woke up and cleaned our windows and you can actually see their laundry. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes hypocrisy is when we're trying to point something out in somebody else when we've got it happening in our own lives. Come on, are y'all with me? Listen, I'm not perfect, and I'm growing in Christ, and I want to become what God's called me to be. And I want to make sure that in my life, I want to get what I say and what I do closer and closer together. That's called integrity. One of the greatest things about Jesus that I love is that he modeled, he modeled the power of integrity. In other words, he said and he did, and there wasn't a good, there wasn't a gap. Real close. Matter of fact, I'll give you one example right here in John chapter 13. He was teaching on the power of servanthood. Jesus was amazing. He was so good. He was teaching on the power of servanthood. And, and one day, matter of fact, I've been to Israel three times. And I was with my daughter one time when she graduated from high school. I was taking a class in seminary. And it was an independent study. I was trying to wrap up my master's degree. And I, I did an independent study. And I went to Israel. And I brought her. She graduated from high school. And so she went. we were there for two weeks. And I'll never forget, I was, I was learning all of these dynamics. And the guy was an incredible teacher. Some of you, by the way, have been on, on, on tours in Israel with this particular individual. And he's incredible. And he brought us up to a place in Jerusalem where he really believes that the Last Supper took place. It was interesting. He was talking about the power of servanthood, my guide. And he was beginning to model it for us and and he began to teach out of John chapter 13. And, and, and the point was Jesus was teaching, watch this, he was teaching with his words on servanthood, but he was demonstrating with his life the power of being a servant. As a matter of fact, here's what he said in John chapter 13, verse 15. He said, for I have given you an example. There's the example, the power of modeling. The greatest teachers, the greatest communicators are those that teach about something, they speak about something, but they model it in like fashion. For I've given you a, what, an example that you should do as I have, what, say it, done to you. Let me tell you what happens. When we don't have a good example, we get frustrated, don't we? We get frustrated in life. 
And let me give you some, some what I would call responses to those frustrations that we experience. Number one, we just, we just have to figure out life on our own. When we don't have good biblical examples, when we don't know what to do, we just try to fix ourselves. We try to fix our marriage. We try to fix our addictions. When we don't have somebody that we can shoot for, some solution, some person that's actually doing it. We just try to fix ourselves. We're just trying to think about things ourselves. Or number two, I'll tell you what we try to do, is we have a tendency to look to other people that don't have God's perspective. And I want to say this very respectfully. Listen to me very closely. I'm not looking to somebody on TV that runs a talk show host interviewing people that don't have a biblical perspective of how to address things in my life. I want to look to somebody that, that it works. I, I want to look under the tree as their fruit under the tree. And the greatest example is Jesus Christ himself. Sometimes if we don't have a proper example, we'll just give up. We can just throw in the towel. It's like, I don't know what to do. And by the way, that's why Crown Financial is so important with mentors, people that, that, that uh, you know what a mentor is? Somebody that's been there, done that, and they learned, and now they're on the other side. And they can show you what God says. And here's how it's working in my life. Remember, integrity. What we say and what we do, there's not a gap. Sometimes if you don't have a model, you just give up. Or finally, you can say, you know, what does Jesus say? You guys remember the bracelet remember, numbers years ago, WWJD? How many of y'all remember WWJD? All right, what was it? What would Jesus say it? I, I got to say this about this particular, you know, I, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a budding golfer. I just thought I'd share that with y'all. And I've got options. I want to let y'all know that. I've got a lot of options. I've been hitting well. That's not true. But anyway, and so, I, so Friday afternoons, I'm off on Friday. So I'll try to play from time to time on Friday afternoon. I, I, brought, somebody, I brought somebody on our team, and he's a great guy. He's a good golfer. And, and so, and he goes, Pastor, can I just tell you something? Let me just tell you one of the drags about just not only being a Christian, being on staff at Church of the King, but, you know, around this area, you actually have to act like a Christian everywhere you go. And I said, I know exactly what you're talking. I said, remember years ago, I was at this grocery store. Some of you guys remember this story. I remember years ago, I was at this grocery store, and this girl, she was just, go matter of fact, she was going so slow, I think it was like a Guinness Book of World Records. I'm going to check out things the slowest I possibly can. And she was having just, just profound, deep conversations with everybody in the line, like she was a psychotherapist working at Rouse's. Of course, I'm trying to do signals in the back, like, whoa, you know, what's up, you know, and you know, I'm just trying to get everybody moving along. It's like, whoa, 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 you know, it's a, you know, it's a good day. Things are moving good. You know, I'm just trying to throw out signals. And finally, I get up there, you know, I put all my groceries. She goes, yeah, that was a good message Sunday, Pastor. Have you ever been in that before? Some of you guys are traveling in Mardi Gras. You know, you last Mardi Gras, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I, and I, I never forget a number of years ago. Talking about the power of example. I get up to the counter at the airport, you know, I'm with my family. I'm just like, you know, let's, you know I'm, I'm very type A. I'm hyperactive. I'm learning how to be calm. I'm learning all those things, growing in the fruits of the Spirit, at least seven of them. <laughs> There's nine, by the way. I just thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> and I get up to the counter, and I'm just like, you know, um, you know and, and so I get to this whole thing. I got all my kids. Let me just tell you something. When you got kids, when you got all these children, you know, I got four kids, and everybody's there, they got bags, and, they're, and everybody's, you know, they got all their stuff, and it's early in the morning, they're all looking at you, you know, and you're just like, I got it, honey, you know. And, and so I get up there, and the lady, I'll never forget this, about 10 years ago, and the lady looks at me, and she goes, you're in the wrong line. I went, I'm what? 
That's not true. This says this. And my 11-year-old son, I walk away, he goes, Dad, that was too aggressive. <laughs> aggressive. Aggressive. I'll show you what aggressive is. You, may, you don't call me out. You haven't earned that right. It's amazing when, when what we say and what we do, when they connect. Now, we're all in process. I know I am. Trust me. Ask my wife. But there's something about Jesus. There's something about his life. There was no gap. There's no gap between what he said and what he did. And that's why there's so, by the way, by the way, why? that's why really he's the only ultimate example. That, that's why we look to the, the, the scripture. What did Jesus do? What would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? How would Jesus act? Yeah. I want to give you guys in the remainder of our time, because we're talking about Jesus as the teacher. And I'm talking about today, my thesis is the greatest way to teach somebody is to model it and to do it. I want to talk to you about three ways in Scripture that Jesus taught us and three areas that he modeled for us that are so, so powerful. And why is that important? Because Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, here's what he said, and this is why this is so important, and this is possible. If this wasn't possible, Paul would not have said it. Here's what he said. Therefore, be what? Come on, say it. What's this word? An imitator of who? Say it. Uh-oh. The stakes are high. That is big. Imitators of God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's, that, I was, as a kid, I was an imitator. My parents would actually ask me when people were over to imitate people. That's, I was like the family entertainment. <laughs> I've never stopped. Anyway. Have you ever thought about, listen, I want everybody to hear me. Every one of our campuses, Baton Rouge, listen to me. This is important. Paul says, be an imitator of God. Oh, my gosh. The question is, I had a guy one time, I said, Pastor, you know, what's God like? I said, well, I can tell you this. The greatest picture of God is Jesus. He is God. And if you open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can know exactly what God would say and do in any situation. So let's talk about it. I got 16 minutes and 45 seconds. Let's talk about three ways that Jesus, listen, taught by what he did. And let's see how we can apply it to our lives. Number one, Jesus, I love this. I love this. Jesus taught us how to overcome temptation. Jesus taught us, remember, we're talking about the power of example and modeling. Jesus taught us how to overcome temptation. One of the greatest stories in Scripture is when Jesus models by way of example in Matthew chapter 4 how to overcome temptation. Now, Again, a little bit of backdrop here. Jesus was just finishing up 40 days of fasting and prayer. Some of you guys have fasted this week with us. Some people did juice fast. Many have done what's called a Daniel fast, and we put all that on our website. And what does it mean to do a Daniel fast? And, you know, no, no sweets, no meats, no carbs. And, it's, and, it's, and what happens is, is when you engage in fasting, you get irritable because you're, 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 you're temporarily saying no to your flesh. 
All right, you go to a restaurant, you're in a Daniel Festival, I can't get that, I can't get, okay, I get. So all of a sudden you're having to contemplate decisions based upon your commitment to restricting yourself in your dietary things because you're saying more yes to God and you're saying no to things of your flesh. And I'm going to tell you something, if you do that long enough, you can get irritable. Jesus, for 40 days, he's fasting. But it wasn't a Daniel fast, by the way. The Bible says he's just, he's in the wilderness. And guess, by the way, guess who has a tendency to show up when you're fasting? The devil. It's amazing how he just pops up. He didn't pop up with a pitchfork and a, you know, red cape. He just, he pops up. He pops up with lies and suggest. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, do you believe that the devil can read your mind? No, I don't. But I do believe he can suggest a thought, and then he evaluates your behavior. That's what he does. He, can't, he does not, he's not omniscient. He's not God. He's a created being, but, but he can suggest a thought. That's what Ephesians chapter 6 says, the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are those satanic suggestions of the enemy? So here it is. Satan comes, watch this, and he starts communicating. He starts trying to talk to Jesus. He knows the vulnerability of Jesus. Why? Because he's hungry. He's been fasting. He's tired. He's weary. And here comes temptation. By the way, let me just say this. Some of the greatest times of temptation is when you're tired and you're weary. And so what's the first temptation? He appeals to him in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Here's what he says. Actually, I'll give you the context. He tells Jesus, why don't you take these stones? You're hungry, Jesus. Why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? What is he doing? He's appealing to his flesh. He's appealing to his physiological needs. But how does Jesus defeat the devil? He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Say it. Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. First temptation. Turn these stones into bread. Feed yourself. Man shall not live by bread alone. Second temptation. He brings him into the city of Jerusalem. And he brings him on the pinnacle mount. The pinnacle mount is the corner of a temple. Of course, those of you that go to Israel today, the temple's been rebuilt and rebuilt. It's really rebuilt about 500 years ago under the Suleiman the Great, the Turkish king. And, and, and you'll see, though, there's a, if you go to the highest pinnacle, that's where the two walls meet. It's about 120, 140 feet high. And if you throw yourself down, and here's what the devil did. Here's what he said. He used scripture. By the way, oh, man, this is an insight. Do you know the devil knows the Bible? But he'll twist the Bible. And he tells Jesus, he says, hey, why don't you throw yourself down there? Doesn't the Bible say that God's angels will catch you up? And how does Jesus defeat the devil? Remember, he's modeling it. Here's what he said. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Third temptation. He brings him out to the Judean wilderness. And the devil, he opens his arms like this and he says, Hey, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, watch this. You can have all of this, the glory and the power and the splendor of the kingdoms of this world. And how does Jesus defeat the devil? What does he say? You shall worship the Lord thy God in him only. Wow. Question, Pastor, how did Jesus model defeating the devil? How did he model it? Jesus Christ did not defeat the devil as God. 
Jesus Christ defeated the devil as a man speaking the word of God out of his mouth. Why is that important? Because if he did that as a human being, yes, he was divine, but he was a human, and he defeated the devil speaking the word. He defeated the devil speaking the word. Why is that important? When was the last time you were tempted? What did you do? Sometimes after the greatest business deals, man, you're on an adrenaline high. By the way, two times when people are, two times when people are vulnerable to temptation, when they're way low, 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 and they're way up top, top, top high. When they're way, way low, it's like, what the heck? I might as well do it anyway. It doesn't really matter. Or if they're way, 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 way up top high, you're on adrenaline high, you feel you're above accountability. That's where the enemy comes in and begins to lie. But the reality is that Jesus modeled. So, so my question is this. What do you do when you're tempted? Jesus said, it is written. Everyone say, it is written. Come on. Say it again. So what do you do? That's why we promote reading Scripture so much. That's why we promote reading the Bible so much. That's why we promote getting in the Word so much. I'll never forget I was in Bangkok, Thailand. I was, oh man, this was years ago. And I was, I had graduated, I graduated from college. Then I went to Bible school. Then I went to seminary after Bible college. And so I kind of did some things around. And I, I, was, I was 23, 24 years old. And I was in Bangkok, Thailand by myself. For two weeks, and I was, I was preaching, and I'll never forget, I woke up that morning, and I was getting ready to preach, and, and I'm telling you, it's like the powers of darkness came into my life. It was just like they were trying to overwhelm me, and I, I'll never forget, I, was in, I wasn't in a hotel room, I was, I was staying in a pastor's house, and they had like this little guest room. And I, I don't know about you, I, I'm sure you all have experienced this, but it was like spiritual warfare on steroids. It was like... I was so overwhelmed, and I remember I was laying in bed. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is so demonic. I had all these thoughts flooding into my mind. I had all of this stuff, and all of a sudden, this scripture came out of me, and, I, and, and it, just, it just came. I, I started thinking about it. Then I just started saying the scripture. I started saying that, and here's the scripture, James chapter 4, verse 7. Here's the scripture. Here's what it says. It says, therefore, submit to who? Say it, God. Resist the devil and he will flee from me. And I just, I was laying in bed and therefore submit to God. Resist the devil. The Bible says resist the, I resist you, devil. Take your hands off my mind. Take your hands off my body. Take your hands off my emotions. Fear go in Jesus' name. Now, let me just say this to you. The strength of your ability, listen, the strength of your resisting is based upon, watch this, the depth of your submission. Just remember that. Your, the strength of your resisting. You and I don't have power over the devil. What we have power is we have power when the word of God comes out of our mouth. Because God has all power. He is the creator. The devil is the creation. This is not cosmic dualism where the devil and God are on the same level. The devil is a created being. And so what happens is, is that when we, everybody say submit to God. By the way, that's why we talk about get the word in your heart, sir. Ma'am, get the word in your heart. Get the word in your heart. Why get, why? Listen, I remember at Bible school, somebody said this. If you'll hide the word of God in your heart when you don't need it, then when you do need it, it's there. And when you're under demonic assault in Bangkok, Thailand, and you're 24 years old, and you don't know anybody, I thank God that thing just started bubbling out on the end. Therefore, submit to God. Resist him, Steve. Resist him. 
resist him. And I just said, I resist you, doubt. And I'm telling you, it took a little while. And all of a sudden, my strength, it was like my strength. It was kind of like Popeye eating spinach. Can I have a witness in God? Are you, it's, there's a strength that comes. You speak the word. That's why, by the way, when you go to prayer and fasting, we've got this, this prayer journal. We've got scripture. Why do we put scripture everywhere? And why do we do it in big print? <laughs> Problem was we used to do it in small print. And the reason why is because all the people in the communication department are millennials, 23 years old. And so it's like, we can't read that. We're 50. Are y'all with me or not? That's why we got big print in Church of the King. With God, all things are possible. I will walk by faith and not by sight. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, all things are possible. Let me tell you why we need the word of God. We need the word of God in our heart because we need the word of God to come out of our mouth. Are you with me? And let me just tell you something. Our culture, and listen, we need to be, pra- we need to be smart, we need to be wise, but our culture is an absolute fear related to a lot of topics right now. Let me just say, you better have the word of God in your heart. You better know what the scripture says. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. Are y'all with me? You better know what the word of God. Of course we do practical things. Of course we're smart. But I'm going to tell you, the word of God is the only thing that can back off the powers of darkness. It's the only thing in your life. Something happens with a kid. Something happens in your marriage. Something happens in your finances. Something happens with the sick. You've got to know what the word of God says. Man, I could just preach so much. I don't even know if y'all can handle all this today. I, I got another point, but I got another service. Y'all got to get out of here in a couple minutes. Jesus model. Look what it says. Okay, here it is. Watch this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Watch what happens. Then the devil left him. Why did the devil left him? Because Jesus was nice? Because he was precious? No, because he spoke the word. I mean, the devil's not dumb. He, he's getting, let me tell you, if you're getting cut on by a sword, you're going to get out of town too. Question, does the devil hang around your house or does he want to leave your house? It's all based upon your submission to God and you resisting the devil. All right, let me give you the second one. Man, I got five minutes. I got to get, get two done. You ready? All right, number one, Jesus taught us how to overcome temptation. How do we do it? We do it by speaking the word. He demonstrated that. Number two. He taught us how to face impossible situations. He taught us. Some of you guys right now, you're facing impossible situations. You're dealing with situations that are bigger than you. And yes, you're smart. And yes, you have a high IQ. And yes, you're intellectual. But your intellectual prowess cannot give you the ability to navigate through this. Why? Because remember this, not all problems are natural. Some of them are supernatural. And how many of you know you can't defeat supernatural problems with natural means? And you need a supernatural God quickening you supernaturally to help you navigate through those things. John chapter 11, Jesus models. He models this. Remember, great teachers teach, but they model what they teach. He was close with a family in Bethany. Bethany is a city seven miles outside of Jerusalem. Some of you have been to Israel. You know where the city of Bethany is. And he was close to this family, and they had brothers, and they had a brother, Lazarus, and two sisters, Mary and Martha. And he was teaching in another town, and he heard that his good buddy Lazarus was sick. And then Bible says, then he found out that he died. And he came into the city, and when he came into Bethany, the Bible says in John chapter 11, I'm talking about how Jesus faced impossible situations. 
The Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, here it is. You guys, it's in the Gospels. The Bible says Jesus wept. You want to know why Jesus wept? Listen to me closely. You want to know why he wept? Two reasons. Number one, he wept because in his humanity, he was hurting because he saw Mary and Martha, his friends. And by the way, read the scripture. And there were some Jewish people that were with them that were mourning with them. And he wept. He grieved that his friends were, were upset and sad. But let me give you the second reason why I believe he wept. He wept over their unbelief. And how do I know that? Because in verse 40 it said this. Jesus then on, he said, did I not say to you? Well, he loved them and he helped them and he pastored them. Watch this. And he put his arm, he's modeling how to deal with impossible situations. By the way, whenever you're dealing with somebody in an impossible situation, we want to love them, we want to weep with those that are weeping, but then we want to weep with them and then get them to a place of faith. And he said, did I, did I not say to you that if you would believe you could see the glory of God? Didn't I say that to you? In other words, listen, if you'll just trust me, the thing that looks like it's dead and it's over in your life, the thing that looks so impossible, let me tell you something. Oh, yes, you're right. With man, it is impossible. But we operate from a different category. There's a different power base that we tap into. It's not our strength. It's not our wisdom. It's not our networking skills. It's not our ability to pull things off he said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, everyone say believe. The Greek word pistos, to believe, to trust God, that you would see the glory of God. And I want to say that to you, those of you that are facing impossible situations. Listen, God's saying to us, if we'll believe him. Matter of fact, you ought to write down on a sheet of paper, what situation are you facing right now? You've done everything you can. You've exhausted all of your resources, and, and, and the situation hasn't changed. Here's what God would say. Will you just trust me? Will you stand in faith? Will you trust me? Listen, did I not say to you, if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? And I want to say this to all of you here. I've got one more point. I'm going to close. When you get to the end and you can't do anything else, listen to me, listen to me. Why not trust God? Matter of fact, we don't have to even get to that place. And that's where some of you guys are right now. You know your situation. I don't know what it is you're dealing with. You know your situation. He grieved with them, but he grieved with them in intentionality to get them to the point where he says, okay, listen to me. And then he spoke. Then he spoke, and Lazarus was raised from the dead. I believe that he was giving us a picture that the point is, is that he always wants to move us to a place of faith. He always wants to get us to a place of faith where we're trusting God, where we're believing that God, the God that we cannot see, if we'll trust the God that we cannot see, ultimately there's things that we're going to see. <clears throat> but we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk, walk by what we feel. We walk by what we believe. And we believe in God. We believe that God is a good God. We trust God. We trust God. Let me give you the third and final thing. And then we'll close. Man, I got so much to say. I, I could have taught a long time on this, but number one, he taught us how to overcome temptation. Number two, and by the way, I'm going to teach right up to the end, and y'all going to have to, like, leave real quick. <laughs> Unless you need prayer. I'm sorry. I just, I just want to pray. Can I get just three more minutes? Is that all right? Can I get three minutes? Some of you didn't give me three minutes. I saw that. <laughs> The Lord saw that, too. I just want to say that. I, 
I'm very conscious of my time. I'm very conscious, but, but I, I, I want to I I say this to you guys. I want to do what Jesus did. I wanna, I wanna, I, we need to break out the wristlets again. WWJD, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus overcome temptation? How did Jesus deal with impossible situations? Let me give you this last and final one. Here it is. You guys ready? Last one. Take me two minutes, and we're done. How did Jesus, listen, love people unconditionally? How did Jesus love people unconditionally? <clears throat> one day, Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house. And you guys know what the Pharisees were, right? They were always trying to catch Jesus. And of course, they knew the Bible. They knew the Old Testament. And they were teachers of the law. And Jesus was a grace man. And he, he would just mess up the Pharisees all the time. He'd just mess them up. He'd do unconventional things. Matter of fact, he was, he was at a dinner party. And a Pharisee was sitting here. He was sitting next to him. And this lady walks in. And this lady walks in. And she takes out this this costly oil and perfume, and, and she kneels down. Watch this. She kneels down, and she begins to pour it on the feet of Jesus. And then she takes her hair. By the way, it's customary in Bible times, like Jesus did, to wash the feet of those that would travel to your house. It was part of a responsible servanthood act to wash the feet, the dirt between the sandals. Are y'all with me? But this was another level. This wasn't a towel and a basin. It was costly perfume and her hair. And she began to wash the feet of Jesus and, and wash him. And one of the Pharisees goes, Ahem, ahem. Hey, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this? And Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, verse 57, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Because she's been forgiven much, she loves much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Can I tell you the greatest way to learn how to love unconditionally? Is realize how much you've been loved by God unconditionally. To realize, to realize I... I uh, I was giving my testimony last Sunday. Last Sunday night, I, I was sitting down. I was at a birthday party, and there were some great people in our church. And, and a man named Keith was there, and I, I was giving my testimony about, about what I was, I, I was like. I became a Christian right at 19 years old. I was a freshman in college, and I, I was not a good person. I know my mom, oh, you were always a great kid. That's not true. That's not true. The fact of the matter is I, 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 was, I did horrible things. I was a very sinful person, and, and I rejected God. And um, I was talking to Keith, and I, I would just share my testimony. I would just share my testimony. And um, I was sharing what Jesus had done in my life. I just started crying. Now, some people may have thought I was crying because I was eating cake right before I fasted for three weeks. <laughs> Pastor's really into this fasting thing, man. I mean, he's like doing a farewell, bon voyage thing. I don't know what's going on here. But I just started crying. And I realize what Jesus has done in my life. I realize. I know some of you guys are amazing, and you grew up, and you were like John the Baptist, saved from your mother's womb. You grew up, and you're just, but I, that wasn't me at all. I was, a, I was a rebellious kid. I got in more trouble. I was, and I was telling Keith about this story. And um, I, I had gotten in trouble, and really in trouble. And I, 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 and I was just I was just, I was so lost. I was so aimless. 
And I said, man, it's amazing how God got a hold of my life. It's always amazing when people come into our church from, from my past. I know it's 30 years ago. And I am so, I'm so grateful for the grace of God. The reason why, you know what some people say when they come to our church? Just stay with me one minute. One of the greatest things as a pastor I can hear people say when they come into our church, I tell you, the thing I love about Church of the King is you can come there and it's like you can come and, and you don't feel judged. You can feel loved. You can feel, and let me tell you, the pastor, oh man, he tells you all the time about what he's been through. And so I, I am so, I'm so grateful that the Church of the King is known as a place of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, that God gives us another chance. Thank God for that. And because of that, we love much. Forgiven much. Everybody say, forgiven much. Love much. If you have a hard time forgiving, maybe you need to check out whether or not you realize how much you've been forgiving yourself. Wow. Let's pray. Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand, all of our campuses. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. I went a little bit longer than I usually do. But I just, I want to say this. If you do not know Christ, our altar is going to be open today. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if you need prayer for any concerns, any needs that you have, we're here for you. Lord Jesus, teach us as a church how to overcome temptation by looking to you. Teach us how to face impossible situations. Teach us how to love those that, that we may perceive that are unlovely. Oh, no, everyone is loved by God. Lord, teach us to realize how much we've been forgiven, how much we've been cleansed. Lord, I bless your people, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. I pray for the grace of Almighty God to be upon your life as you go forth this day. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said?